0: Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 227 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis.
1: And my name is Barbara. Barbara, you
0: sound relaxed. I am. You sound refreshed. Sounds like you spent the week on vacation. How was it?
1: How does that actually sound? Because I say (laughs) my name is Barbara for 227 times. How was vacation to all the moms out there and the dads too that put together what they think is going to be an amazing vacation for their kids and all their kids do is the whole time. That's how my vacation was. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you bleep that out and... You know what? For me, because I just differentiate myself and, you know, turn them off. It was awesome. <laughs> but, like, I'm just actually really glad to be home. Glad I wasn't at work. But, you know, I'm thinking next year I'm going by myself. There you go. My kids.
0: I know. We have the same problem.
1: <laughs> I love my children. But, you know, uh, we as parents, we really, really, really try hard. And so ugh, I decided that I have a brand new idea. There should be a vacation after your vacation.
0: Absolutely. Always add three days when you get back. (laughs) Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: How was Ladies of the Mill? Tell me something good.
0: No short of amazing.
1: Oh. What a great show.
0: Yeah, tons of pictures out there. So many great speakers. So many great attendees. It was just so good. I didn't record as much as I did last year. But that is just because there was so much more going on. Yeah. Yeah. There's more to do, more to see. Plus, I was doing that hands-on course with Pre and Annex USA, which turned out amazing. Sarah Williamson did a great job teaching that course. I just, I was just there for eye candy. Aww. Let's be honest.
1: Of course you were. Of course you were. <laughs> I saw the pictures. Trust me. Yeah. I'm not a slouch. I saw it. <laughs>
0: yeah. It was a lot of fun. But I will throw out a quick teaser. I let a group of ladies record <gasps> all by themselves.
1: Oh, damn! I
0: haven't even heard it yet, but I set it all up. I said, "Here's five microphones and five headsets. Go at it. <laughs> remember, there's an audience, and
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Re- remember, well, remember that
0: somebody's listening, and have fun." So I'm excited right. to hear. What the female technician podcast takeover is going to sound like. So, all right. Yeah, look for that in a future episode. I'm excited
1: too, ladies. Yeah. Good going.
0: Hopefully, there's at least five minutes worth of good quality content in
1: there. Oh, I bet there is. Hey, so what's going on with the contest?
0: So, more and more people are entering I know, I know. the greatest contest giveaway. In the dental laboratory industry. It's still going on. Voicesfromthebench.com forward slash, we've determined that last week, forward slash Asiga. A-S-I-G-A. You can win a $11,000 package from Asiga. It includes an Asiga Max, which is a great printer, a build tray, model resin, a t-shirt, and two hours of training by the super talented Corey Lambertson.
1: Yes, gotta have. Yeah,
0: you gotta get the training. That way, you get more out of your free prize. So head over to the website, answer just a few questions to win this amazing package from our good friends at Asiga North America. Contest ends August fourteenth, so don't delay.
1: And I know because you told me. There's a ton of people going there, so please do it. You can win.
0: Everybody's got a fair chance. Don't care where you okay? live. Don't care where you are. Don't care if you're in a lab. Everyone's got a free chance.
1: Exactly.
0: So a few weeks ago, we did an episode about the race for the future and the free education day that's going on on August 27th in Chicago.
1: Make and the sh- drum rolls.
0: Are you well trained? Are you ready?
1: Yes. I'm yeah. ready. No, I'm not. But I will be in four weeks. I was going to say I swam tonight and I ran every day on vacation. So all right. Move on.
0: I know why you ran. to get away from people.
1: Yeah. Hello. Right.
0: So go ahead and check out this episode show notes to register and listen to episode 224, where we talk all about it. And on that episode was one of the instructors for the event, Tony Prespitino. I wanted to get Tony's story, and even though we talked to him way back in the day during our (laughs) first Lab Day Chicago recordings in 2019, so I asked Tony to come on. I said, Tony, I just need 20 minutes. Tell me your story. Oh, yeah. Well, his story is so good and inspiring that we ended up talking for a whole hour.
1: I'm so surprised.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's a great story. Now, unfortunately, Barb, I don't know what Um... you're doing, running a lab running your mouth, Mm. running something, probably just out running. Who knows?
1: But Tony's amazing. Yeah,
0: he's a great guy. He comes on to talk about growing up in a big family, discovering dental because of his mother's prosthesis, finding a way into the lab, teaming up with his twin brother, working for his other brother that's a prosthodontist. Tony soon found himself the owner of Artifacts Dental Lab specializing in implants. They got so into it that Tony now has a patent all on X procedure that's an interesting process that he talks all about. It's a great story of family and opportunity. So join us as we chat with Tony Prespatino.
1: Whipmix VeraWorld Resin Cleaning Station is the ideal piece of equipment to use in the 3D printed resin post process. It's oscillating, multi-speed stirrer produces or tornado-like vortex every 30 seconds and guarantees efficient, effective, and powerful cleaning whether units are individual, or still attached to the build plate. They have two alcohol baths, which make an effective step wash system. It cleans more efficiently and there is less alcohol needed since the alcohol is reusable for both a fresh bath and a dirty bath, super plus. The very world's intelligent design offers features such as mode, time and start stop button display which gives the operator full and automatic control of the cleaning process. A mesh basket used in the wash container makes it super easy to keep track of small printed parts when cleaning. The affordable unit's one-year warranty ensures that you will have peace of mind as the owner. So visit whipmix.com or call 800 626 56 five one for more information about this super popular product
0: we appreciate your support of the podcast whitmix
2: hey voices from the bench listeners exocad here we want to tell you about an amazing digital dentistry event coming up exocad insights 2022 It's two days, October 3rd and 4th on the beautiful Spanish island of Mallorca. This is a fantastic educational event for all of you in the lab industry. Our speaker lineup is top notch. We have master dental technicians, a digital dentures expert, implant surgeons, lab owners, and more. Plus our own software experts will run hands-on sessions so you can get to know our latest releases including DentalCAD 3.1 Rieka, which just came out. Problems with the design? Just bring your STL file and we'll look at it. Visit our large CAD CAM exhibition to see the latest innovations. And of course, we'll have a really fun opening night party. So please, head to our event website, exocad.com insights 2022. Get tickets before they're gone. That's exocad.com insights 2022
0: voices from the bench the interview we'd like to welcome to the podcast again and again you joined us wow probably 2019 at lab day tony prespitino how are you sir i'm good buddy thanks for having me it's
3: always my honor and i think you and barb and voices and the foundation and the nadl jdt nbc all you guys do such great things for this industry
0: and uh having me on is, is it's it's truly my honor and i appreciate it And thank you and every abbreviation in our industry appreciates you tony <laughs> <laughs> so tony Tell us, how did you get into dental technology? Because you own a lab. It's in uh, the Washington, D.C. area. I'm going to mispronounce it. Artifacts. Artifacts. I knew it was something like that. So artifacts out in the Washington, D.C. area. How do you get into the industry?
3: That's actually a question that's near and dear to my heart because I'm one of six kids, and I'm the youngest. I'm an identical twin. My twin brother and I, you know, we got to see my parents age a little bit compared to my oldest brother is 10 years older than myself. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when I was in my teenage years, I saw my mom having a bunch of periodontal problems and things like that, which I didn't know anything about. I just knew that she was always in pain and mm-hmm. and she ended up having to have all her teeth removed at an early age. And I was in my teenage years and I saw it and I'm like, boy, I sure would like to help with this kind of stuff. I had such a compassion for my parents and, and my family. and well, With that many
0: that. kids, I would too.
3: Right. and We're all very, very close. It really tugged at me to watch that happen. So I said, you know, I want to do this. And at that time, my brother, like I said, he was 10 years older than me and he Mm -hmm. went to dental school. Oh, okay. And, And he's a prosthodontist now. He was at University of Maryland, then went up to Columbia, New York, get his prosthodontal degree, but he's a prosthodontist. And out of the six kids now, currently three of us are in the dental field. And wow. I think it has a lot to do because there was no dentist or anything like that in our family prior to this. My dad was a physicist. My mom was a stay home mom and the six kids, and we all knew we were going to college, but it's, it's very incredible. I'm very proud of my parents. And today's age it just probably couldn't be done, but six kids, all married, all have children, all in their own homes, all have our own businesses, all have college education. Nobody wow. has a drug problem. Nobody's been in jail. So I'm very fortunate to have the parents that I had and that compassion for my mother that I had and watched her go through is really what got me into the field. But it also, my oldest brother going to dental schools, you know, had something to do with it as well, because sure. I always looked up to him. Also, he was, you know, one of those brothers, are you just like, well, all of my brothers are the same way, but I look up to them. They all push me, by the way, hmm. I'm, I'm probably the least successful person in my family and everything that they do in life pushes me to get to another level. So I'm a, truly a family man. I saw this happen to my mom, and that's why I wanted to do it. My, my brother, David, owns a laboratory called Natural Arts Prosthetics about two hours west of me, and he started this before I did because he's older than me. So when I got out of college, I was that rebel youngest child person, Yeah, yeah and yeah. of course, Vincent, my brother that's a dentist, and my brother, David, who's the tech. It's like, oh, yeah, well, we'll work on this together and we'll do this. And the first thing I said was, I am not going to be a dental technician in a prosthodontist's office as their <laughs> in-house, in-house tech. Not going to happen.
0: Is that how it was? Was your brother an in-house technician for your other brother?
3: Yes, uh,
0: exactly.
3: <laughs> so although I have a close family and I would love to do it, I had this proud thing going on in my head where I want to do this alone. I don't want the kid brother having all these handouts and all this stuff. Yep. I wanted to be accomplished. I wanted to make my brothers, especially my parents, proud of me. So I wanted to be able to do things on my own. So as soon as I got out of college, I worked at a, a laboratory called Latos Dental Lab in Maryland. Okay, and I stay. I I never left. I was there for ten and a half years, and they offered me a partnership. And I was so proud. I remember driving home in my. I. Here's a quick story. In the 80s, I was a quintessential product of the 80s. I had a mullet down to the middle of my back. I listened to hair rock and roll bands. Nice. I had an IROC Camaro that I bought the day I graduated college <laughs> because I said, I'm getting a car. I'm getting a real car because I was my first car was a Honda Civic 1977 sure. and I bought it for 700 bucks. <laughs> and, and that's what I had. All I did was put a, a killer stereo in it and I thought I was King Mac Daddy. Yeah. So I got out of college and I bought the Camaro thinking that, okay, I'm going to deserve this. I worked hard. I think I'm going to get a job that's going to make tons of money and I'm going to go buy this nice <laughs> car. Well, I bought it. And I remember driving home and I still had it 10 years later after I left uh, Latos. But I didn't leave Latos under bad terms or anything like that. Yeah. I left because of a family situation. What happened was they offered me this partnership because I was involved in all aspects of the laboratory. and. You know, my dad gave us a work and mom gave us a great work ethic. So we Mm -hmm. always delved and dove into everything that we put ourselves into. So I I became a pivotal part of the team at this company. And it it was in the area, it was considered a large lab. It was like, you know, 15 people. I rose through the ranks there, was very gracious and thankful and humbled that I had some teachers along the way, like Bob Latos and Jerry George, who were the owners of that laboratory. And of course, my brother, David and Vincent, who always, if I had anything to do or say that they would always help me through it. Yep. So, so I did all these things and finally, totally, totally floored me, had no aspirations of ever owning something. I just was going to work, do my job, be happy with what I do. I loved what I do. And Bob Latos, I guess, saw sort of a value there
0: mm-hmm. and
3: really just said, hey, look, Tony, we want to offer you a partnership. We want to give you some of this company. And I was flabbergasted. And I remember still to the day, one of my fondest memories, driving home from work in a DC area, nothing's 10 minute commute. You know, it's a 45 minute to an yeah, hour yeah. commute every day for me. Driving on the way home from work, and normally I got my radio turned up, my t tops off, going up, sure.
0: letting the mullet flow in the wind. Right, <laughs> I had everything off, everything,
3: and I was just in silence in my car, yeah. thinking, "Oh my gosh, I made it!" You know, I, I thought I would just—I was so proud of myself that—and and I was alone in my car. Thinking, oh, my gosh, they offered me a partnership. What in the world? Yeah, that's huge. I remember pounding my fist against the roof of my car going, oh, yeah. I was (laughs) was really happy. And I got home, and I remember I was probably 32 or so at the time. Uh I had bought a house when I was 25. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, it was early. But I lived at home till I was then that age as well, because my dad, you know, there were no rules. I was the youngest of six. We could get away with murder. Yeah, you know? <laughs> So there was no rules. Why leave? I was coaching a, a boys club football team because I played football my whole life. And I loved it. It was one of my passions. I was coaching a boys club football team that was close to my parents home. So even though I bought the house at 25, I never really even moved in. Oh, really? My friends go, hey, Tony, you got a house? Oh, yeah. You go yeah, go use it for the weekend. Bring your girlfriend over. Do whatever you want or whatever. So my friends would use it and all that. And once in a while, I would use it. But I stayed yeah, at yeah. home a lot. Wow. My parents didn't charge me rent, all that stuff. My dad did charge me some money to live there because I wasn't in school anymore. Sure. And he saved all that money and gave it back to me. Oh, so wow. you're buying a house, here's your down payment. Wow. So so I bought the house, but never really moved into it because I lived with my parents because of the amount of friends. I mean, I lived there my whole life. I had a hundred friends at all times right around there and yeah, and yeah, coaching the football and everything. But I remember driving home and of course I didn't go to my house. I went to my parents' house because there was football practice that night and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So I get home and I tell my dad and my dad goes, when you get home from practice, we have to talk. I said, that's awesome, dad. I'd love to, no problem. My dad didn't even wait. My dad got in his car and my mom drove up to Clinton Boys Club Complex and watched the practice for the day, which my parents would do. And that's very special to me. I have those memories. They were, you know, very special.
0: Very supportive of you.
3: And then instead of that, he said, Tony, let's go to dinner. So as soon as practice was over, we went over to this local Italian restaurant and dad sat me down and said, look, I know you're proud of yourself. I'm proud of you too, but you cannot take this offer what "What?" he goes you and your brother need to open your own thing you can't do that you and your brother are only going to be successful together and if you do it the right way the foundation and my dad believed in us the foundation that he had built in us children two of them together were Better than any one on its own.
0: Okay, yeah.
3: And I said, Dad, that's great. And then, you know, so but, but don't let me talk you out of it. If you want to take this job position, fine. But I think you and David should sit down and talk together because at that time he was he wasn't two hours west of me. He was five minutes away from me. Okay. So you know, and he had just recently left my brother Vincent's, and he didn't really leave. He was working part time at my brother's and had his own laboratory, and it was called Artifacts. Oh, and okay. and so me and David sat down, we went over the numbers and say, can you afford to hire me? You know, because it, it was a you know, you, I got a house payment and all that kind of stuff. Can I come in as a as an owner with you and get paid a salary where I can still afford to pay my bills and all that? And do <laughs> I have anything to offer to the company that's going to improve your lifestyle as well, David? And we came upon. That you know, and my brother Vincent helped with the decision, my dad helped with the decision, but ultimately it was mine and David's decision, and we decided that yes, it would be a good fit, and it would be probably the appropriate time because if I had gotten to a partnership with Latos, who I loved, then it would be harder for us to do this together.
0: Sure, yeah, that makes sense.
3: So he had this thing up and running, we went over the numbers, and I came in as a 10 percent partner, which is the same offering that Latos gave me. Okay. I gave Latos three and a half months notice because I didn't want to leave them in a lurch and they were my buddies and they are great. I mean, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't like, Oh, here's my two weeks notice. It was how long do you need to replace me? And they would have people come in and I'd be part of the interview process and the training issue. And so it gave them enough time for me to, hire somebody and train somebody to do my position three and
0: a half is more than generous
3: <laughs> and you know what i wouldn't have traded any of that for the world because that still solidified our relationship the latos and us and jerry george very close over the years we'd vacation together our families and the whole latos family wow. mr latos bob yeah. jerry andy linda all of them would go down to cape hatteras every year and they would have a house right down the street from the Pinos. And we'd have a blast.
0: Nice. nice. Very
3: good friendship over the years, even through the buying of the laboratory or uh, me going into my brother's laboratory and leaving this one and everything. And over the years, we kept contact over the years and did stuff together over the years. And there was always, hey, I need a favor. Can you help me out with this? And I would say yes. Oh, yeah, sure. Then I would ask them for favors and they'd say yes. Of course. So that was a great Boy, I'm taking up your whole show. (laughs) This is your story, man. I love it. That was a great way to get together with my brother. And then my brother and I, we worked together for probably another 10 years to that. Yep. So mind you, I get out of high school. I had one job. I never had another job. The only job I ever had was working at Rosecroft Racetrack. I went from selling hot dogs in the concession stands up to being a busboy in the restaurant, then a waiter in the restaurant. I did that all the way through college, so I had one job. Mm-hmm. I get out of college, I had Lato's. I had one job. So all the way till I was, you know, 30 years old, I only had two jobs in my whole life. And now I have part responsibility of running a company. Yeah, that's pretty insane. That goes to show to my loyalty and things like that. I think it's it's one of those things. But it was quite a different atmosphere for me not to play by the rules, but got to help make some of the
0: rules. Yeah, I get you.
3: Because I was such an in, devote employee and I knew what people wanted around me because I wanted the same things. I want more vacation or, uh, you know, why can't I leave? There's nothing on my desk or mm-hmm. oh, I'm a half an hour late. Sorry, it was traffic. I never wanted to give an employee a hard time about things that every company goes through. Sure. Yeah. So I was happy with that. and David and I are working out well. And then my brother decides, he's a big hunter fisherman, he gets like dropped out of planes in Maine and has a claim, pick him up 72 or later, two hours later at a spot on a map. Oh, geez. He'll go to Antarctica and hunt caribou, Alaska <laughs> okay. and do that. I mean, he's really an avid fisher and hunter. Yeah, yeah. And in D.C., you can't hunt and fish. No. <laughs> so he moved out to the Shenandoah Mountains. Like I said, about two hours west. Okay. And what Artifacts did was we inundated all through Winchester, Front Royal area, Star Tannery, the areas that he lived in. Now, because he moved, he bought a property with 15 acres and pond and hunting and deer hunting and all that kind of stuff. He followed his passion and did what he wanted. And I applaud that because education in today's world, I don't know how many people listening have ever gone to Panky Institute or Dawson or Spear any of those things. Mm -hmm. But one of the most beneficial things that I know for myself and probably for my brother that enabled him to make that decision to move two hours away from his own company so he could do what his passion in life was to do Yeah. was because I remember at Panky, one of the courses was, it wasn't teeth, it wasn't dental, it wasn't occlusion. It was how to manage your expectations and how to run your life successfully instead of just your business. If you If you're the kind of guy that is working the night shift as the hotel manager that sits at the front desk and checks everybody in making 10 bucks an hour. And that's what you need in life. And that's what makes you happy because that's all you need. You don't need the means of the guy next to you that has the Malibu house and the, in the ski resort, vacation lodge, house, and then yeah. their own home. If you, you know, it's all about what a person needs, and they teach you to manage your expectations, and then go for your expectations, and don't let life don't let life be what you think is expected. Make life your own. Sure. Do your own thing. Make it what you want, and that's what David did. He made himself what he wanted, and designed something and built something that was sustained his lifestyle and what he wanted. So if you want to drive around in a 1977 $700 Honda Civic, that's all you need, fine. But if you want the Maserati or the Ferrari, you got to find a way to make your company more successful and profitable and do the things you want to do to give yourself those things because nobody else is going to give them to you. So you have to do it yourself and and, then come up with a strategy that works and you'll fail at some and you'll do good at some and all failure, I mean, leads to success if you do it right. So wait, when he moved out into the woods... (laughs) Did he still work at the lab? That's where I'm getting to. Absolutely. He still worked. We marketed through his entire area. Artifacts work. Yeah. Once artifacts sustained enough work for him to stay busy, collect the salary that he's accustomed to and do his work out there, that's when and only when he changed his name to natural arts prosthetics. Uh. And now he had natural arts and I had artifacts. Did you split the company or did you buy him out? Or? I did buy him out. Okay. I did. But of course, he gave me a generous offer. And sure. And it wasn't sure. robbery and all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, we made sure that he had enough to re- work to sustain himself. And now he's successful. Very high end. My brother David is the most talented technician I've ever met. And I've met a lot. Yeah, But my brother, David, is so smart. He got my dad's genius IQ level brain. Yeah, I mean, all of us, six kids, none of us took physics in college, but David. And David's a smart dude. But he's also very talented. He taught me so much about dentistry. I was always commenting to him that those two years that we were trying to figure out how to get as enough work to Winchester as you would yeah, yeah. at Artifacts in D.C., yeah. that whole time I struggled with all the big cases went to my brother. We had a courier that would get into the car, take a box to my brother, Dave. My brother had a, a lab that he had set up over his garage
0: mm-hmm.
3: and he would do the work. I would send it. And then a few days later, the carrier would bring the work back and then I would put it into production if it was ceramic or whatever. Sure, sure. And And that's the way we handled that interim time where he needed to sustain more income than what he was getting from Winchester. So we were doing that for a while and... And I kept telling him that the comfort and the amount of success and the confidence that I have in artifacts is all because of you. If I can't handle a case or do a case, I know I can give it to you and you'll do it. <laughs> it's always good to have that person. <laughs> and he understood that and silently never knew it until after many years of being a part. I never knew just how much he actually taught me because now there's not a case I can't do. Yeah. And it's strictly because of him. I didn't get on YouTube and look how it was done. He taught me with his physical hands, taught me how to do it. And I remember he used to lecture all over the place. I'd never given a lecture in my life. And I was approached to give a lecture. I called David on the phone and he walked me through how to take PowerPoint and put slides in it and go through it and everything like that. And he showed up at my first lecture.
0: (laughs) Not to to make you nervous.
3: (laughs) But but it's one of those things where you look back in your career and there are a handful of people that really helped you get where you are. And my brother, David, and my brother, Vincent, are, and my dad, those that story about all three and how that all happened was something that I look back on constantly every day. Even when I'm talking to my employees, I look at them and tell them the same thing that my dad told me. You are an employee, you do not own this company, but that does not mean you are not a business owner. If you're Mm. an employee, you are your own business owner. If you want something as an employee, You have to help make that happen and you have to have the compassion and the desire and the confidence in yourself to approach your boss and say, this is what I'm looking for and be able to market yourself as your own business. So that's what my employees do to me. I mean, if they want to raise and I haven't given it to them yet, which hasn't happened, I try to preempt preempt getting there. They'll come to me or, hey, Tony, I want to learn digital dentures or whatever. They'll come to me because I've had this conversation with all the employees that work there. And when they start there, their new employee, they get the same conversation. You are your own business. Market yourself as such. I am just your client. I'm not your boss. I'm your client.
0: Interesting. I love it. Of-
3: I pay you. You are my client. You have to market yourself. And it goes to work well. So back to my Fridays, the one thing that I would change we were talking about. Yeah. I would have done Fridays earlier because my staff gets half day Fridays. And I find we get more work done now than before we ever did that. I've heard this, and and they appreciate that time off and that appreciation. It's a weekly appreciation. You're not giving them a quarterly bonus, or you know, doing this, or telling them a nice thing they did that day. Which you do all those things if necessary, and if you're available to do those things, or capable of doing these things. But that weekly reminder that you have a 36 hour work week, not 40, and you're a salary employee is a weekly reminder. That, oh my gosh, this is a cool place. you know and, and I hope that they feel that way. I feel they feel that way about it. yeah But in, to come full circle with that, my like you said, with my brother and my mom losing her teeth and all of those things, there's another guy in there. Oh, yeah? My yeah. brother was a prosthodontist, and and he is a prosthodontist still to this day. Does he send you work? Yeah, well, we do the bigger stuff and stuff like that because he still has a lab. Oh, okay. So his business partner is Dr. Uh, Abe Ingber. One of the giants in dentistry. Okay. They invented the first ever porcelain abutment. And Nobel bought it. It was called Ceradapt. It was an aluminous oxide abutment. It was the first ever. And it was in the 90s. Yeah. And now, you know, ceramic abutments are all over the place. But it was the first ever. Well, this guy, Abe Ingberg was, like I said, he's a juggernaut in the industry. He's just huge. And and unfortunately, he passed away suddenly a few years back. Hmm. But my brother, Vincent, and my friend dr engber were partners yeah well the strange thing about it is my brother david is four years younger than vincent and he was his technician well abe's brother morty engber was four years younger or so and was abe's technician so <laughs> so so this was this in-house stuff now david worked more outside of the office than inside of the office he had a lab set up in his basement of a townhouse that he okay. had yeah yeah shady grove road in maryland so that grew with morty doing most of the dental laboratory work david doing his own thing and having doing work with the prosthodontist in that practice and that grew into that and then david opened his own business and then i left the business that i was working at and then david and i split and he now owns his own lab morty now works at a laboratory in Virginia doing very well. Mm-hmm. And Abe has passed away. My brother's close to retirement. Everything's going great. And it is so fantastic, actually. Three four years ago. Yeah, four years ago, I turned around and bought the laboratory that I used to work for. That I originally got the 10% partner. seriously. I did. <laughs> That's great. I did. And and now Bob and Jerry, two of my best friends and revere as great technicians in their own right, for sure, for sure, now worked for me. And what a, what a feather that my group, that I surround myself, that helped me and enabled me to do these kind of things. It's, it's, a, it's a
0: fantastic story of it's, where I started and then where I'm at today. To go back to buy the one that offered you a 10% is pretty amazing. It was so fulfilling. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm buying you. It no, was like, I get oh it, my. yeah. It
3: truly is, it's like just meeting a, a rock star and then being part of them. And that's how I felt about them. Their lab was so successful and had such a great name in the industry in, in Maryland. And my entire staff, when I told them, oh my God, you know, and it was, it yeah, was, it was incredible. And that goes back to the, everything I did was manual, you know, wax the UCLA, cast it, put porcelain on that kind of stuff. Well, now digital age allowed me To expand in a way that some of the older people like Jerry and George, Jerry George and and Bob Leto's, even though they were the owners of Leto's, they were younger, they were older than me. And I was able to integrate printers and millers and CAD systems and stuff like that early on. And that allowed me to get the jump I needed to be able to go back and purchase Leto's and have these friends in the industry to give them a second career. Because a lot of laboratories, you can't sell for much. You know what I mean? Sure. And a lot of the older technicians really can't get a job Yeah, because the times have, they've been outdated. You know, a lot of older technicians that stack porcelain or hand wax at UCLA or cast something. I mean, goodness, how many people have casting machines in their office now?
0: No, usually they they tear them out. Right. So those things were able
3: to give them back a second career for them for a few years till they retired. So did you keep that location
0: open or did you close? Them? I
3: didn't. I, it was more of a, I learned from my brother, David, that it was successful and we could do it. I would farm work. My courier would go all over the area, mm-hmm. my couriers, and we would take all of the Latos accounts and we do the model work and everything for them. And then we get them the cases back to them to do. Oh, wow. And we did that for a couple years before we just said, no, now it's all in-house. Yeah. We're going to keep everything here. So I expanded my laboratory from 800 square feet to 4,000 square feet. And I did that in 18, right before, I mean, 19, right before the pandemic. Yeah.
0: How many technicians do you have at your location? We have 12 people that work there. Yeah, they're, nice. they're not all
3: technicians. Of course, I got a lab manager and a courier sure, and a sure. bookkeeper. Here. And when David and I split, there were four. So it grew over the years. Yeah. It's just one of those things that I've been so fortunate in my career. I think I learned on early for all laboratories out there. You may not agree with me, but I can tell you one thing. I, as a laboratory, and this isn't going to be for everybody, so please nobody. Me <laughs> I don't knock anything off. If a doctor asks for 3i, Strawman, Nobel, Horizon, Zimmer, MIS, Camlog, whatever it is, it's going to be authentic parts at my laboratory. And we made that decision because a lot of laboratories were buying milling machines to mill titanium in their own offices and things like that. And I made that decision because I thought my brother's a dentist and my brother's like, I'm never knocking it. What's the point? No, I'm not doing, oh, you can save some money. Well, you save some money in the front end or lose the money in the back end. And there was this, it's a philosophy more than anything else. Mm -hmm. So I decided to make that call and be surprised. I am friends with every dental rep in my area. The Nobel, Straumann, Zimmer, Horizon, three I, all of them. When they go to dentists, they'll say, "Who, oh, what lab?" They're going to pop out three names. You know what I mean? Of they like, and in, in a in a dental implant rep will get your laboratory business because if they if you're on their list and you're one of their names, well, that's how we grew because reps are losing fifty percent of their commission because fifty percent of all implants are restored with non-authentic parts, which means the rep themselves take the hit on the commission and they got to put food on their table and every quarter they have to get quarterly quotas to get their, their bonus that maxes out their salaries and things like that. So the reps love me because they know it's going to Tony, it's going to artifacts. It's not going to be knocked off. And they're going to get their commission and credit for that, put food on their table. So they know the loyalty there. And then in turn, I'm loyal right back to them. The relationship between a laboratory and all implant reps is an incredible one. If you can manage that with equal respect for each other, then I think that that's for all laboratories. tidbit information. I went from 800,000 a year to 2.4 million. And that was when my reins were taken off. When my brother and I split up, I didn't have to answer to anybody. And of course everyone's got different philosophies and David's great, David's great. But I didn't have to answer. I, I made my own decisions, whether I succeeded or failed, were all gonna fall on my shoulders. And I saw value in that. So that's what I did. And then we went on to lecturing and we went on to digital stuff. And some of you may know I've patented something that is also in the area that I work in. It is the most popular way to do an immediate load teeth in a day type restoration. And that has pole vaulted us as well. Every couple of years, we kind of reinvent ourselves.
0: Well, you have to in this industry.
3: Yeah, yeah. you have to in this, especially how fast it's moving right yeah. now. So we do that in, you know, coupling with lecturing and having the support of your implant companies that actually want you on your, on their lecture circuit. So you can lecture about their products and it doesn't have to be one. It, it could be all. of. It. What did you patent? I patented that this is a funny story. Actually, I didn't think I could patent it, but I remember I was speaking at the Academy of Osseointegration in 2012 in Phoenix, Arizona, mm-hmm. and I I mean, I tell my kids this. This is weird, but I'm going to tell you. (laughs) So I'm telling the world. All right. I'm the kind of guy I honestly I can honestly tell you I am actually a shy man and I'm a bit of an introvert. But when I'm not an introvert and I'm socializing, I'm a very good socializer
0: and I'm not that shy. That's called extroverted introvert. (laughs)
3: Now, that might be me because I personally love sitting on my couch and watching a show on Discovery Channel more than I like doing most things, you know, and I like being around my kids and my wife and all those things. But over the years, now that my kids are getting older, I have a 17, a 19 and a 22 year old. And over the years, I started to realize as a father would and a mother would when you advise your children and you're trying to sculpt them young minds into being respectful, responsible adults. I started to talk to them about because shy is not a good thing to be. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to get somewhere in your life, it's okay to be that way. It's okay to be shy and it's okay to live a modest means and it's okay to have all those things. But if you want that vacation home, and if you want that confidence building thing, you know, you need to you know step outside a little bit. So I remember, I mean, weird as can be but yeah i remember seeing that at the time it was biomet 3i okay yeah everybody was there the ceo the cfo the territory managers the regional manager everybody was at this meeting so i remember sending an email scheduling a 30-minute appointment with the president of biomet at the time okay And I was surprised as hell to get a response saying, sure, 12, 15 on Thursday in the Hallmark room or whatever it was, you know? So I went and made a PowerPoint presentation, had it printed out, binded into a notebook. Mm -hmm. And I had like five copies made because there was like five people. Sure, sure. And I went over a plan with the president of this company who I'd never met and said, I know how to make because they had just launched a product called ENCODE. Okay, yeah. Which makes it easier to take an impression than using a $70 impression company. Yep. I put together a, a proposal for Maggie Anderson, who was the president, and they had their territorial manager, Brett Deaver, in the room, who was like for the whole country in charge of all the rest. Yeah. The head engineer, Tate Robb. And we're sitting in this room and I said, I have a proposal for you. Thank you for your time. Here's a proposal on what I would think we could do with the newly founded immediate load protocol in the industry. Cause at that time it wasn't very popular. There was only a couple clear center center, yeah. clear choice centers, things like yep, that. Yep. So I went over this thing with them and they were like, Oh my God, this is phenomenal. And then they continued to keep me for two hours. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say out there is do things that will get you in the door of places for my children. And I tell them that, don't be scared. If you think Elvis Dahl, the, the voices of the bench and Barbara, and if you see them in a room and they just at Chicago and they just did a podcast, I mean, they're not unapproachable. Go up to them and say, Hey, look guys, what's going on? I remember talking to you in the very beginning yeah. saying, I want to be on the podcast. That takes a little bit of confidence in yourself to be able to do those things. But if you're going to get to any place that you want to be, you got to do that. Go present yourself to the owners of implant companies and, you know, anything. If you if you like an extent and things like that, go talk to them. Put yourself out company. there. Put yourself out there. So that's what I did. And now I didn't realize at the time, but you can patent an idea, a protocol, a procedure. You can do that today. You couldn't do that in the 80s. Of using... Other people's patent parts? Well, no, it's not a part thing. This is a procedural okay. thing. Here's how it works. In the 90s, the United States Patent Office realized a need for patenting a procedure. Mm-hmm. The reason is because computers came very, very popular. Yep. And you all know, you've got servers out there and, and engines. You've got engines that can drive you when you're on a computer. You have Google and you have Bing and you have you know, all the uh, Safari and things like that. But if, if you typed in Voices from the Bench into Google versus Safari or Bing or any of those, yep. it's going to take you right to Voices. But you know what it doesn't do and they're not allowed to do? They're not allowed to get you to Voices on the same
0: roadway. Oh, because they patent that roadway. They patent the avenue
3: that Google took compared to Safari to get to Voices of the bench Interesting.
0: Okay, I'm following.
3: So now the, the patent office has allowed these patents on protocols and procedures. So it's not a part, it's not a widget, it's a procedure. Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize it at the time until somebody approached me and said, you could do this. So I said, well, sure, well, let me try. What's the hard, um, cause that was, I never expected anything to come out of it other than I know what we're doing. My, my business partner, by the way, I'll, let me get into my business partner in a minute. But I talked to some people and I ended up starting the patent process. Had no idea it was going to be that difficult, and I can honestly tell you, it's as hard as any four-year bachelor degree you can yep. get. Yep. But very enlightening on what you learn, and and I think you say you have a patent. It's just one more feather in your cap, sure. just like being on Voices of the Bench. Oh, <laughs> I'm on Voices, you know. Or I know Elvis. It's a feather. Yep. And, and you know, those are those are great things. And I realized that this actually could happen. And my patent attorney needed education on the process, and he was very good, John Bateman very, very good at this and helped me through this whole scenario of what I planned on doing and how to launch it and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And, and I had no expectations I'd ever be granted a patent. And matter of fact, if anybody has ever looked into anything like this, the first thing you do is you apply for a patent. It's just an application. It's simple. It's easy. Lower charge your 50 bucks, not a big deal. Then it goes into the patent office and the patent office reviews it and says, okay, interesting. I'll give you 12 months to prove to me that this is a patentable idea and you are not infringing on anybody else. Mm -hmm. So that's when you write down all your claims. Your claims are what you're claiming this to do for the particular industry you're in. And once you write it all down, and that's where the lawyer comes involved doing all the legal things, write it all down, write the procedure or the product all down, all its benefits and and what you have to do to get there and, and what materials you use to do it and this kind of stuff. Once you do all of that, then it goes to a patent examiner and the patent examiner will examine all your claims and they'll go back to the 50s. I remember seeing emails from them from the 50s on, well, this infringes on this person's patent. Can you defend that? How does it not infringe on this? Why is it different? And because they don't have a dental background. I mean, I remember one of the uh, claims, they said, no, we can't use this because in the 50s, they duplicated a denture using a flask, right? Uh-huh. Two pieces of plaster. Duplicate. And I said, yeah, it's, that's exactly what that, But that's totally different than what I'm doing. And then I have to explain the whole procedure. And then the examiner will get into it and then deem whether or not that was a successful defense or not. And you do those things. If you have, you know, 25 claims. You have to defend all 25 of those claims, and the in def- the patent attorney's job, the examiner's job is to make sure you're not infringing on anybody. Wow! They will actually dive into it and come to you about everything. So it took me five years, almost five years, to get a patent. Wow! Because that is a long process to get everything copacetic with the United States Patent Office and the examiner. But we ended up doing that, and that was uh, very very happy day. And then we went further and applied for a patent in Canada and got that as well, which was much easier because the first initial patent was uh, already done.
0: Sure. They just accepted it.
3: Yeah. A lot of the claims were already defended and things like that.
0: Now that you have this patent,
3: what? You know, I'm not going to travel the world or the country doing immediate loads. It doesn't make sense to hop on a plane to be in surgery all day, hop on a plane and go back to work. It's not profitable. doesn't make sense. And it's not worth it. So I have, you know, like 120 mile radius of artifacts that we do this. Mm -hmm. in. And during this whole procedure, we went out to Colorado. And we had a proof of concept done by Dr. Stone out in Colorado and his tech, Jerry West. And, you know, non-disclosure signed, everything like that. And we got a group of doctors that were willing to do these cases. And they did them for a full year. And we wanted to make sure we were having the same same success we were having. So we did. And they were having... Incredibly great success, and then at the time it was not called ZMV, it was it was Three I. So Biomet Three I said, "Okay, we want to invite five or six labs in here, and we want to have them sign non enclosure and see if it works for them because they were courting me, and I was courting them to see if this could, you know, be a, a relationship." So of course they had those five or six labs do cases, and of course just like in Colorado, they were very successful. So that's when we came to an agreement, and now. Zimmer Biomed, or now Zimv we in contracts together. Nice. And I believe it'll be launched this summer. Now, I want the participants and the people listening to this to understand, I do not have any intention, nor do I want or desire. And I'm too old, and I do not want to get into defending my patent on a procedure or a protocol. And some of you may be doing this. But remember, I patented this back in 2013. And in 2013, you probably weren't doing this. The reason people are doing it now is because it's out there and you can, and it's the right way to restore a full arch and get good results and timely conversions. So this isn't something that Tony is saying, oh yeah, you can't have a patent and you can't do this because I have a patent and you yeah, can patent your ideas too. And whatever, you know, it's, it's about my family. I did something to ensure my family's future and I won't defend that. But I also encourage all of you, um, use this stuff. I'm not telling you you can't do it. But if Zimmer Biomet or Zim B owns the process, just go through them. It's not going to cost you. I don't think it's going to like the ENCODE license, which I know pisses everybody yeah. off. You know, $10,000 and you can read our codes. I get it. I get it. But they invented something that was truly, truly innovative. That's cool. When they came out with the ENCODE Healing Abutment and you got rid of an impression coping, it was truly innovative. Yeah. And so they deserve how they decided to sell that. I think we, me and my buddy Julio, I think we deserve what we've done, even though it's very easy to do and other people are already doing it like this. But if you go through ZMv, I think what I, th- in the way it's structured, I believe you're going to get a bar at a discount and you're going to have, uh, be able to put it on your marketing material that you do these things and all that. Now, does it mean you can only do it on ZMv implants? No, it does not. I'm sure they are working on a method where you can do it on any implant, but that may may involve some sort of residual fee, but it should not be much. I know that I can do them because in my contract and in intellectual property, it doesn't matter what implant system it is. As long as artifacts is doing it, we can do it on anything. Nice. Because I wasn't going to give up. I mean, you got to remember my company, before I started doing this, we do over a million dollars a year just in this one procedure. Wow. And if I said I'm only doing it on Zimby, I would cut that in half or even a third. Yeah. I'm not going to bastard side my company for this. So it was in the contract and we're able to do it. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm talking about something that I hope you get. It's not arrogance, it's passion. I believe what we're doing is the right way to do these cases. Yeah. And I, and I hope that uh, everyone realized that. But that wasn't a tangent. I'm not going on a commercial for my past. No, not at all. I was going on. You as a young business owner out there, and there's plenty out there. As a young business owner, get a hold of your reps, be partners with them, let them market your business for you. Come up with innovative ideas, whether you patent them or not, to make procedures better. Like I said, we said, okay, how can we make full arch immediate load prosthetics the same situation as ENCODE? Very easy for the restorative dentist, no confusing parts. I mean, our triple jig, what we call it, is something that literally, if you do a single unit molar, custom abutment and crown, the first restorative appointment is either an impression or a scan. That's usually a 30-minute appointment. Then they send it to the laboratory for three weeks to make their crown. Mm-hmm. And they have the patient come back for a second appointment, which is another 30-minute appointment. So three weeks apart, two 30-minute appointments. Well, with the way we do immediate load, the restorative doctor, two appointments, three weeks apart, 30 minutes each. So we've come up with a way to make that as easy as restoring a single unit. And that was our goal. Wow. And it continues to be... Something that because it's not out there and because there's not a name on it and things like that, it continues to be in my back pocket, but I cannot wait till this is unleashed to the world so I can be able to say, yeah, oh, you can do this. This is fantastic. I'd love to help you out with this. There are a couple of laboratories I've gotten permission to actually train them on this. Burdett Dental Mm -hmm. down in Alabama and the Napolitano's in Rhode Island. My brother, David, who's natural arts prosthetics, two hours less than me and even Alex Winchay down in Florida, I have a relationship to where I was able to explain the protocol and the procedure to where it it would help them with a non-disclosure to it. But I want to do that for everybody. I want everybody to say, Hey, immediate loads out there and we do a lot of it or, Hey, I'm too scared to do it. I want everybody. It's such a rewarding thing to do. And it's so much easier than making single tooth number nine. That's the hardest thing we do in dentistry. Yeah, it is. So, I would love to be able to to get that out. And I think by the end of the summer, that's when Zimbi will launch this. I've seen the marketing material. I've seen the user manuals. I've seen all of these things. I hope Zimmer Biomed or Zimbi doesn't get mad at me for even saying this on the <laughs> but, You've heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's true. You just did. You heard it here first. I've never said that stuff to anybody.
0: What is the procedure called? Is it called the Prespetino procedure?
3: No, we, we originally, what I call it and what all my accounts do, because they've been doing it for a few years now, we call it triple jig.
0: Triple jig. Okay. It's, you
3: know, you have a verification jig. Yeah. You're never going to restore a bridge without some sort of verification. Absolutely. I, so, we do verification jigs on models, send it to the doctors, and they see if it fits or not before we go ahead and waste all our time. Well, I've incorporated the verification jig, the base plate, the occlusal rim, the occlusion, the cant of the midline, the transition zone. I mean, the transition zone from the prosthetic to the patient's tissue, the smile line, the occlusion, it custom tray, all of those things into one thing. It cuts out three appointments in the middle. Wow. Usually, immediate load could be five appointments. Yeah, yeah. You have your your impression, then your verification jig base plate to close the room, then your wax up, then your re-wax up, and then your final. So we've cut out all of those. We do the first impression with the triple jig. It's just like a custom tray with teeth on it. And then your second appointment, three weeks later, you screw in the prosthesis because I have everything recorded in the OR. I love it. The only thing that changes is the tissue because it's not healed yet, but I have everything else. And I know there are companies out there that are doing this. And I know that I've I've reached out without saying names, but I know two of the companies that are doing this now currently and they have their own names for it Uh are very well aware of me and my patent, but they have their own version of what they think is infringing on a patent and what's not. And it's not my position to change their minds. And I'm not going to go down that battle. All I'm saying is this is mine. Did it in 2013. Zimvi is in contractual obligation with me at this point, come the fall, you'll all see it. And regardless of who's doing it and who's not doing it, it is a fantastic way to restore a full arch case with great, great results and little headaches. And the most important thing is the restorative doctors are gaining a lot of confidence because so much work was done for them in the OR that they don't have to worry about
0: restoratively after osteoimmigration. Yeah. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to find out the process, and I'm excited for your success because of it. I mean, it sounds like you put a lot of work and energy into it. It is true, but it wasn't that much. It was my daily job. Well, yeah. You know
3: what I mean? As dental technicians, if we find a way for that doctor to be able to seat that crown without having contact and occlusion adjustments, you do it. We just found a way to make it easier is what we did, and it's not a widget. It's not something that that I'm going to produce a part for. It's a system that you use, and that's what it is. It's a protocol and a system. Now, let me get into that last thing I was just telling you. I get back to it. I could not do any of this without Julio Munoz. Julio Munoz, what happened early on after David, my brother, went out to Winchester, and I had full control over artifacts, a lab down the street, Vic Dental Laboratory, burned to the ground. Mm. I didn't know them from Adam, but I had a doctor of mine uh, that I was using. And, of course, doctors use a bunch of different labs called me and said, Hey, uh, my laboratory for doing these kind of things burned to the ground. Can you handle some more work or whatever? I said, absolutely. But I said, who's the lab? And he told me and I said, I don't know them. I said, can I call them? He goes, yeah, sure. Why? I said, because I feel bad and I, I want to offer them a, a helping hand. Hmm. So I called this, the owner of the lab, his named Janos Pinkowski. I called Janos Pinkowski and I said, dude, you don't know me, but I heard your plight that you didn't have insurance and your lab burned to the ground and You've got three kids, and things like that, and employees that work for you. So, you can have my space. I have extra space, and you guys can use it. You have one year to get yourself back up on your feet. Wow. I'm not going to charge you anything, but I really have a compassionate area for dentistry, you know, because of my mom, of course, but in dentistry in general. And I don't like anybody to have to go through that if I have the means to help them. I mean, currently, right now, Artifacts, dental donated services, I don't know how many people know about them. Oh, yeah. We probably do more free dentistry for that organization than anybody in the country. And I'm a small man, 12 man lab. Catholic Diocese of Washington, D.C., we do their teeth, the fathers and the sisters and the nuns and stuff. We do their teeth at no charge. We actually do a few pro bono, full arch hybrid cases every year to deserving patients. Wow. We're really big on that. At this point in my career, it's what gets me off. I, I really enjoy the feeling of my kids opening a Christmas present as much as I do. The deservant having teeth in their mouth. Yeah. It really makes me a lot happier than anything else. So I called up a Vic Dental lab, Pinkowski, and I offered this to him. And he was like, No, 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 everything will be fine. And I know he was taken back because I could hear it in his voice. But he called me back the next day and said, Are you serious? And he did. And they came over. And him and his employees worked in my laboratory. And they used my equipment, they used my machines, they bought their own materials. But they were, you know, my model trimmers or my dent or my hand pieces or whatever it might be. Hmm. And they used that kind of things. And over the course of the year, he could never get himself back on track. So I bought him two. <laughs> but it was a very low amount. And I retained two of his employees. Him as the owner, Janos Yeah, He was now my lead ceramist, who was fantastic. I told him before, we've had some great ceramists. But uh, Janos is is probably the best ceramist I've ever seen. Yeah. But the other one was... Julio Munoz. Julio Munoz was born in Bolivia, moved to this country with his wife and two young, young, young children living in an apartment making 30 grand a year. Well, it turns out that Janos had him working as a denture technician. So he was doing all his dentures. Well, I was just starting out doing all these immediate loads and I was lecturing, working at my bench and going to every surgery to mm-hmm. pick up cylinders in a denture. Yep. So I said, Julio, Yeah, we got room for you here. Do our dentures. But I'm going to take you out on the road with me so we can do surgeries together because I need somebody else doing these things because I can't do them all. So Julio starts doing them with me. We sponsor him at Artifacts. We get him his green card, his citizenship to the United States, all of that stuff. Legally, above board, very thankful. And he is extremely happy with this situation. And now, a year later, after 100 cases in, I don't go with him to surgery anymore. He does them his own. Now he's got over 1,500 cases under his belt. Wow. Wow. But listen to how lucky I got. Karma is a real thing. Julio Munoz is a board-certified oral surgeon from Bolivia. <laughs> and he was working as a dental tech. who well, I happened to give a position because his lab burned down. And now he's doing immediate loads. So he was a dental technician making dentures. He's an oral surgeon from Bolivia. Now he's doing implants and dentures. You don't get a better fit than that. Wow. Right? Wow. So I saw the writing on the wall going, this guy, now he's got his own citizenship. He's got wife, two kids. He's got aspirations, motivations, inspiration. He has all these things. He's going to leave me. So I offered him 30% of my company a couple years ago, and he took it. So now I'm no longer 100%, but I'm 70%, and Julio owns 30 Now, mind you, he's a lot younger than me, too. So I have an avenue with him in the future. My accounts are getting to know him. Now my accounts, if you're in the Washington, D.C. area, and the name Julio Munoz comes up in dentistry, it's over. Everybody knows he's the best. Wow. And it's because of his education before he ever came to me. Yeah, I showed him how to use an implant. Big deal. He had all this education. So there's nothing he can't do in that OR when a problem happens for a dental technician. He's trained for it. Yeah. So what a great relationship I got with him. So that is another thing. I'm, I'm telling you, over my career, I've got lucky with lots of things. Offering a partnership from a laboratory, invited in by several implant companies to be their KOLs, you know, asking to speak and lecture, getting Julio on board, having a brother like Dave and train me, owning a company, being on Voices of the Bench, being on the NADL and the FDLT boards. These things I find as a fortunate thing, not a. Oh, I deserved every one of them. I don't think I deserved a single one of them. I think what happened was I think that companies and people in the industry in general said, you know what? This guy cares about what he's doing. It's got nothing to do with intelligence or, or anything like that. I didn't work 100 hours a week. It wasn't that kind of motivation. Yeah, I, I put in my time. Don't get me wrong. But I could have worked much harder, I believe. But I just believe it's the passion of it and the confidence you have in yourself. Because I had some great teachers that allowed me to have confidence. And I had a mother that allowed me to to have
0: the passion for what I do. Dude, you can totally hear the passion in your voice. It's amazing. Oh, thank you.
3: I still do. I still, to this day, have as much passion as I ever have.
0: You have a bunch of kids. Why aren't they coming into the industry? Oh, boy, I'm so glad you asked. What a great
3: story for this. Okay, my (laughs) oldest, very proud of my children and my wife. I couldn't do what I do without any of them. So, oh, and by the way, my mother who lost all her teeth, yeah she's lived with me for 21 years. Oh, wow. Because my father passed away, unfortunately, and I, and I, I think about him all the time. Yeah. But my mom lives with me because there was no way the Prestopino family was not going to let her in a nursing home. Sure. You know I mean? So she moved with, in with me really healthy and all good. Over the years has you know declined. She's yeah. 92 now, like yeah. any 92-year-old would. But in the beginning, I knew she was going to move in with me. My father had passed away and she's you know, living in the house. And I was building a new house in Maryland up by the Chesapeake Bay, south of Annapolis. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I were pregnant with our first kid and I built the house and I told my wife, and this is how I know I married the right woman. <laughs> I told my wife, I wanna build an apartment on the building. My mom's gonna be here with us one day and it, she's not gonna climb up and down the stairs from a basement. So when we built our house, we built on an 1100 square foot apartment. Yep. That I had her own entrance and also a door into our house. If she ever wanted to come straight into our house without going outside. Sure. So we have her in our house and it's great. And I'm proud to have her here. My kids know her because they were all born. It's like another family member, like a brother or a sister. Yeah. yeah. So my kids now are older, 22, 19 and 17. And you had asked about that. How? Well, the funny thing is my 17 year old, well, my youngest, first of all, it's a 17 year old AJ. He has autism. Now, In the very beginning of his autistic journey, we found out when he was one, we traveled all over the place, Kennedy Krieger and Sprouse and Children's Hospital, trying to get the right diagnosis because I was the daddy in denial. Yeah. But it was obvious over the time after seeing all these institutes that, yes, he had autism. So they worked very, very hard with him. And so did we. And my two daughters are older than him. And my oldest daughter would help. And she saw that and ended up similar to me. I have a compassionate for my mom losing the teeth. Well, she grew up with a passion to help special needs children. And she went to college, graduated summa cum laude in May. Hmm. And she has a job starting as a teacher, special ed in August. Wow. So she did not have any interest in teeth because she knew what her passion was. Like I did. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah.
0: She knew it early. Yeah.
3: That's Jessica. And that's why she's not doing what I'm doing. And then my youngest child, the autistic, but he's not now. Believe me, guys, when I tell you that this is something that if you work hard in the beginning, it makes all the difference in the world as they get older, you would not know my son was autistic unless you lived with him and you saw some sort of idiosyncrasies, but very rare, very few. It's very non-detectable at this point. All autistic children really have one passion. Like in Rain Man, it was math. He could do math, right? Yeah. My son loved weather. Weather. Everything about weather he could tell you about. He wanted to be a weatherman up until about a year and a half ago. Yeah. Now he wants to be a plastic
0: surgeon.
3: What? <laughs> I think he's a name. One of our accounts, um, Dr. Hamra, is an oral maxillofacial person, but he's also a plastic surgeon. Yeah. And he's verified on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. And my son's smitten with him a little bit. And I think that had something to do with his career decisions. but. You know, we don't know what his path will be, if he'll truly get into plastic surgery or not. But of course, we support him and we'll see where he goes. He still has another year of high school. So he's not going into what I'm doing. But who knows? Maybe when he gets out of college, maybe he does want to do it because it's in his field. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But my middle daughter, Amanda, graduated high school early, graduated college early with her business degree. And she, magna cum laude as well. And she is 19 with a college degree, high school degree. And she's in L.A., at the number one makeup school in the world called MUD. MUD. MUD, M-U-D, Makeup Designery. Okay. So it's like Juilliard for musicians. I get it, yeah, yeah. Right? So she's there educating now, and she is you know, making connections in the movie industry and all that kind of stuff. And, And this isn't just makeup. She originally wanted to do makeup. She did makeup in our basement. I built her a room and put her logos all over the wall and all that kind of stuff, and she did all the kids' prom makeups and stuff like that. So originally she just, she was so good at it that she put something on TikTok and day later it's got 2 million views. Oh, yeah. So she was, loved the makeup, making a woman really happy in her skin. But then this mud course escalated in, into just the other day, she asked me if I could make her a pair of prosthetic eyes. Whoa. Because of this makeover she's doing on it, and her instructor she was she called me two weekends ago, and, and this guy, the makeup artist on Pirates of the Caribbean, sitting on the phone with me talking about stuff. Oh, that's like, cool! Oh, how big is that? So she's really cool. She's like, "This is my, my daddy does." She's so proud of me.
0: That's awesome,
3: and it's getting her an avenue in the career she wants because of the stuff she's been exposed to from me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's my daughter there, and so I don't think she'll be doing teeth, but I think she'll be doing prosthetics. Hey. In the who knows? So <laughs> no, my kids aren't doing it. But the end of the story is I do have my niece, my twin brother's daughter. Yeah. Who works at Artifacts. Nice. Her husband works at Artifacts. It is a family. And my wife works at Artifacts. Oh, so it's a family yeah. affair. So four out of the 12 people are Prestopinos. It is a family affair. And who knows where it'll go? That's awesome. Now you're sitting here making me talk about my story. And I'm looking back on it going, you know what? You're right. You asked me early on, would I change anything? I don't even think I'd change my Fridays.
0: I'm good. <laughs> I'm good where it is, bro. Yeah. I think originally before we even started recording, I asked you, would you do anything different? Right. And you, at first you said, yeah, sure. But now not so much, huh?
3: No, because those Fridays probably helped me with all these things too.
0: Yeah, oh, man. It all led to where you are now and where your family is now. That's a great, great story, Tony. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you, man. Dude,
3: I appreciate it. I've never got to tell that story to anybody. The whole story like that with my mom and her situation, the patent, my business partner, Julio, my children, how happy and honored and proud I am of being on Voices and <laughs> LT and stuff like that. I never really get to tell people that. You know, and these are things that, you know, what a weight lifted off my shoulder. I got it all out.
0: There you go. <laughs> for the world to hear. Yeah. Tony, we appreciate you. No, I appreciate you guys. Yeah, thank you so much. Barb, I miss you, baby. (laughs) You want to give a big cuss word just because she's gone? Thanks a whole hell of a lot, you f***ing... Never mind, I'm
3: not even going to go there. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I can call her names. I know I can use the F-bomb, but I don't know if I can call her names yet. I get it. Maybe in Chicago.
0: (laughs) There you go. Well, we'll see you in August, man. Come
3: see the, the first ever FDLT... Uh, education day in the in the race out in Chicago in late August uh, yeah. I'm one of the presenters I'm honored to be that Aaron Deutsch and Mike are two other presenters I'd be thrilled to see you all there I hope we can pack this place to do our
0: industry some good absolutely awesome man we'll talk to you later Elvis thank you buddy yep. have a good day you too yep bye Bye-bye. Have you unlocked your dental laboratory's potential through 3D printing? Well, with the Asiga, you can! Did you know Asiga has over 500 validated materials on their open material system, and it's growing every day? By harnessing Asiga's proprietary layer monitoring technology with its smart positioning system and its integrated internal radiometer, as a laboratory, you'll be able to produce any indication you desire. It doesn't care if models, splints, temporaries, or heck, even permanent crowns. Your investment will be future-proofed with Aciga's rugged engineering, providing you with a fast, accurate, and repeatable machine with a reputation that is time-tested in the dental laboratory industry. If you'd like to learn more about the Aciga's machine or the material offerings, please visit the website at aciga.com. That's A-S-I-G-A dot com. Or contact your favorite dental reseller. And we appreciate your support of the podcast, Asiga.
1: I love his name. Prespetino. I got it. So thank you, Tony. Prespetino. I'll say that just for Elvis because he can't say anything. For joining Elvis, sans me. I'm sorry I couldn't be there. I really, really was. I'm actually a little upset that I missed this one because you know how much I love the family aspect in our industry. So super bummer for me, but it was a great hearing your story. I wish you all the success with the patent and continued growth with your lab. Hey guys, if you want to hear more from Tony, don't forget to go to Chicago on August 27th for the free education day. And I say again, the free Education Day, put on by the Foundation for Dental Laboratory Technology. So head over to dentallabfoundation.org for more information and to register. And remember, it's free. It's in person, and Elvis and I will be there. It could be the best thing this summer, other than my vacation. Just saying.
0: It sounds like it could easily be better than your vacation. (laughs) (laughs) No kids invited. Yeah. Ditto. All right, everybody, that's all we got for you, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. I love that I can say his name.